Hello and welcome to the N7 Good Podcast. My name is Cosmo and tonight I'm joined online by Jen. Joined by Eddie. Hello. I'm second this time. Is it because I missed the episode? No, 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 no. It's, it is literally because I just put the Zoom in like gallery order and I literally just do it from like top to bottom. But did you hear, did you listen to last week's, Eddie? I introduced you. When yeah, you were yeah, of course here. I did. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Someone was um, someone was listening who listens every week and they were like, it took me 10 minutes to realise that you weren't in the episode because they didn't actually realise that you didn't say that I was in the episode. So just like, huh, he's, I, I swear I've heard him speak, but I, I don't think I have. And it took <laughs> him like 10 minutes to realise that I'm not in the episode. Did he stop listening after that? Nah, just a, an Eddie fan, just an Eddie stan. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Shout out to them. All right, let's get let's get on to uh, let's get on to what was I, I said on Twitter. I said it was a brutal day, probably the most brutal transfer deadline day I think we've had because you know there's been all this talk of Antonio Conte assessing the squad and deciding who he needs, who he doesn't count on. And I think it's fair to say that him axing uh, Ndombele, Lo Celso and Deli Ali is just something that I don't think anyone really saw coming. And yeah, it was, it, it was very, it was very interesting that it like took that shape. Um, what did you guys make of that? And also with like the incomings overall, we're getting to the, the ins and outs in more detail in a bit, but, what were you guys' takes on the brutalness of it, I suppose? Um, I suppose for someone like Deli Ali, it was a quite a long process. I think we were, it was a process over the last few years where we were getting dwindling returns from him in terms of output, in terms of effort, in terms of you know what he usually brings to the team. And that's a mixture of a few things. I think it's a mixture of chopping and changing their manager pretty often and then them not knowing what how to use him. Um, it's uh, partly to do with how the team changed. We no longer really play with the... We, we, we didn't really play with the free at the back end and with the kind of, you know, the forward runs that he was making. Um, it was a lot of things, I think, and which end up not playing to his strengths, but also he was not playing to his strengths. And, and in the end, I think the performances justified you know, eventually getting rid of. It all happened very quickly, though. And I think that's what's lent to the the kind of like the brutal nature, as you say. It feels like we're kind of killing our darlings very, very like shockingly. Like it, it, it feels like a shock death, like a, like a, like a, like a shock death, like a murder almost. Um, yeah. A very, a very much a culling of the, of the team that we had an emotional bond with, I think. I think it's the fact that, like, in terms of the rumours, there was, you would just always see, and you kind of got used to seeing, like, oh, Spurs are working on a deal to get rid of Lo Celso and Dombele. Delhi, there's no takers. And I think we kind of all got into that kind of almost like a comfort zone of thinking, okay, he's still going to be around. So then when, I think Fabrizio Romano, like, kind of almost broke it out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, it's like, it's not just alone. He's actually going. Um, Jed, how did you feel when that news broke? Yeah, I was a bit a bit shocked to be honest, because I think it was it was sort of midday on deadline day, obviously. Um and when it starts to get to that point, I don't even think it was midday, I think it was like three three or four o'clock, wherever it was. Um 
you start to think, um, right, well, he's he's probably going to be here again. Um, and I think this is, it was a theme of this this window for us in general, where we were very cutthroat with it, where it was like, get get him out by any means necessary, which was obviously the case for Ndombele and the Celso too. Um, and I think it's it's been said a lot on Twitter, obviously, like, Delhi has been a magnificent servant for us for the past five or six years, however long it's been. Um, but the last two, three years have gone really stale. And I think he, he just, like Ndombele and Lacelso, he just weren't going to get any minutes under Conte. And it's something that, yeah, we're, we would have loaned him out, but it sort of would have been like kicking the can down the road a bit. I think for, for us and for him, he just really needed that fresh start now. Um, and that's... There's been a lot of criticism for for Atici on Twitter, justified, but I think what he has managed to do really well in this window is get these players out when we know they're not going to get minutes and their, their value is just going to be decreasing constantly. So I think with Ndombele, it's good getting him out. Obviously, he's got that optional fee at Leon. They're never going to pay that, but we've, we've sort of um, covered ourselves in the sense that we don't want to get dragged into another deal like Juan Fuerth where we put that option to buy very low thinking that he's, he's going to perform how he did for us but then it turns out he does perform very well elsewhere and it looks like we've we've got peanuts for him so I think the loans for Ndombele and Lacelso are really good because we can sort of let them perform to a good a good standard and then maintain their value where as if we sold them this window we would have got peanuts for them so I think the outgoings have been quite smart. In, incomings have been good. We'll get in, we'll get into the incomings, but there's still a lot of problem positions that we needed to get done, which we didn't. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree with with all those points. Basically, um, one of the things that I, like I wanted to speak about was, I think the outpouring of emotion for for Deli Ali. It, it kind of it took me by surprise, actually. Like I, I genuinely saw grown men on Twitter like really upset about it and I've been kind of mulling over in my mind like why that was um and I think it it really does go back to the peak of the Pochettino era uh when you have the whole abbreviation of desk Delhi Ericsson Song Kane I always thought that is such a shit acronym, by the way. Why are you going to name four of the most exciting forwards in the in the Premier League after a desk? I know, I hate all that acronym shit, but um, I digress a bit. But I think why it was so painful is one we associate uh, that we think of those memories very fondly, but it's just the fact that with Delhi Ali, it wasn't meant to go like this. When I think back to desk, I obviously. I always accepted what was the conventional wisdom and, and the right wisdom that Kane was was the best out of all of them. And then if you kind of t- go from a like purely statistical point of view, you might say that Ericsson was the sec- second most key. And then obviously Son was banging in goals. But I think purely from the emotional part of football, Delhi was, the for me, he was the most exciting out of all of them. And I think back to that time, and I actually think, I genuinely believe this when I say it, I think Delhi had the highest ceiling of them all. At least that's what I thought at the time. When I thought, oh, is someone like Real Madrid or Barcelona going to come in for our players? 
you, you kind of think, yeah, maybe they might bid like 90 mil for for Kane or something like that. Maybe, but we always thought he was a one-club man. But with Deli Ali, I always used to think, yeah, I can see Real Madrid coming in like 120, 140 million when the market was really inflated. And yeah, I just, I, I think that's why people are so emotional about it because deep down, I think we thought that he was going to be, go on to be the the jewel of Tottenham Hotspur, really. And it's just it's just sad the way it's worked out. I think with Deli Ali, for me, it's it's one of the biggest tragedies in football because it's one thing to lose your talent because of an injury. Um, you know, if you if your ACL gives in and you've got that scar on your knee and you and your career starts going downhill after that, you can always look to that and you know that's why you've kind of fallen off or whatever. Yeah, for your talent to disappear for no real reason and and to just fight to try and rediscover it and keep failing to rediscover it and you have a whole media machine saying is he going to get his form back is he going to get his form back i just think on a human level he's just had a a really torrid time i know he's well paid but that i think being supremely talented at something and losing the talent it's got to be one of the most tragic things that that can happen yeah, I think um, <clears throat> with with Delhi, um, I literally just saw a tweet about this, and this is someone who is from like, a Man United fan. Um, they're literally just saying like, if we're keeping it a buck, like no young player has come even close to that sixteen seventeen season, it's like since Delhi Ali hit the streets, basically, like that season where he was playing essentially as a second striker behind Kane. We're talking really kind of ridiculous numbers, 18 goals and seven assists in uh, that for a midfielder is ridiculous. And when you put it in, in those, and it's not just like they weren't tap-ins, some of the goals that he was scoring were so, so great. And obviously we can refer back to goals like the Crystal Palace goal. We can refer to the, you know, the what I guess against Norwich maybe where he curled it in top corner um, or maybe it was Watford. Yeah, um, uh, it was. We're talking about someone who at the, at that age had the world at his feet because he could only get better from there. And also, I think what we enjoyed about him was that every single club and we actually had a couple. It wasn't just him, but every single club has that player that just gets under the skin of the fans of any other club. Like for for years and until he kind of fell away, Deli Ali was that player that every single club loved to hate, and he loved that. He loved being that. He 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 could play that pantomime villain, and he had that bit of steel, had that bit of nastiness, grittiness that the the players and most of the players in our team lacked. And I thought for a player that is such at, that had it at such a young age, and once or twice it maybe boils over, but. Um, to have that at such a young age, but also have the talent to back that up. That's like everything you can have as a footballer. So, of course, we were really excited for him because, you know, he was playing alongside Kane. He was playing alongside Son. He was playing alongside Ericsson. You know, he had the, the team around him, all the viral to the tongue, and he had the, the right structure to, to, to mature and grow as a, as a player um, and then it just kind of stalled, like you said. It, it got a bit stale. Um, and it's sad because um, 
like this happens in football all the time. Players can can start really well at the beginning of their career, and and falter. You, you, you can you can name a hundred players that's happened to, but watching him play, like the way he played, it didn't feel like that was that he was the type of player that's that 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 fire is going to end up being like an ember. It just felt like he was going to go from strength to strength, and even when he wasn't playing his favorite position or playing his best game. He always did something that reminded you he had that quality in, in the can. And so, like he said, um, it wasn't meant to end this way. And the fact of the matter is he's still 26. And if he finds his form again, he can still be a very, very good player. It's just that it's not going to work out for him here. And it's sad because you can. it feels like he, we, we bought him when he was essentially a very young man and he's grown into... He's grown into a man that Spurs, so he's part of the furniture. So it's quite sad to see him leave. I think that's one of the main reasons why, at least. Jeb, what was your probably what's going to be your abiding memory of of Delhi in a Spurs shirt? Um, I think those those two Chelsea games for me, the one at home where we we finally broke their their winning run, where he scored those two headers from the Ericsson crosses. And then, obviously, the away game where we finally beat them at Stamford Bridge um, after however how many years where I think he scored two that day as well. And there's so many more games where he did that for us. It's as as Eddie said, it's just it's just a shame how the fall off is, is just like it's been relentless in the, in the past two three years, and like it, it it's got incredibly toxic. And that's that's I think that's perhaps why you were so surprised about the outpouring and, and for Cosmo because we've seen him play, well, we haven't really seen him play much at all recently, but when he has, you go on Twitter and all you see is nothing but hate for Delhi. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's just, that's just football Twitter in general. But like when, when it comes to it, people like realize that like, we all do really love him and like, we're going to be glad to see him go, but we know it's for the best and we all want him to succeed. So I think him going to Everton, although I'm not, I'm not, completely sold on Lampard as a coach um, I think if you look at the player Lampard was and if you look at the sort of player that Delhi is I think it's, it's going to be very good to, for him to learn from Frank Lampard and I think he can learn quite a lot from him I don't know what, how it will suit with, with the system and whatnot seeing as they brought Van der Beek in as well but I think he could definitely learn a lot from Lampard and hopefully he can re- recover, um, recover some sort of form yeah, I I genuinely I think I'll speak for us all. Like we really, really hope it works out. Like low Celso, I, I couldn't care less. Like if he <laughs> falls into like League One football, to be honest, I, I'd maybe be take a bit of pleasure out of that because I can't stand it. <laughs> I, I, I wonder it, what I wonder what the buy option for him is at, at Villarreal. There hasn't been no reports on it. Maybe there's not one. I mean Has he, there been a report for me, buyout? For me, there, he's there, so there been an option it's been reported that there's an option mm. to buy but I'm not there's been no figures so. he, he's he's so such a pointless entity to me that I, I would just genuinely if someone pays 100% of his wages just get him gone especially with those reports that apparently he's a bit of a dick around the place um, no one really likes him and I don't know whether this is Spurs fans projecting but like once those reports kind of came out I think a lot of things kind of clicked and made sense I just don't think he's ever been that bothered in a Spurs shirt and it's unusual for me to turn on the player so much. But when I was at that Chelsea game and I saw him just falling on the floor repeatedly, I was just completely done. I, I, I don't really turn on players, but 
Yeah, I'm sensed. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad we're seeing the back of him. Just going back to, um, for me, my warmest memory of Delhi. I agree. I agree with you, Jed, in terms of like those games were amazing. Um, But just for like one moment of pure joy, everyone knows that goal against Crystal Palace. But to see it play out in real time, genuinely, like it melted my mind. I remember watching it at home with my dad. And my dad had actually like gone to the loo. Um, I don't, he did this quite often. He would just go for yeah. Like, I was about to say he goes at the wrong time. Yeah, he's going at the wrong time. Yeah, the yeah, time. yeah. I, I think it was almost when we did the retrospective on the Man City game. I said it was like a rage piss. I think this is just something he he used to do to kind of uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> deal with incorporate that into my games to be honest yeah deal deal with the pain of Tottenham Hotspur and I remember it, like he went to the toilet and I was just watching that on like a dodgy stream as usual and that goal like seeing him chest it flick it up over someone's head backwards turn around and volley it in I it's the kind of goal that just melts your mind like there's certain goals that you completely lose your shit basically and I remember sprinting I was sprinting towards the loo and I was like dad come out the loo come out I was, I was like he scored the most amazing goal I've ever seen and he's like what's happened what's happened I was like it's like Ronaldinho like I was like <laughs> going nuts I was going absolutely nuts and I just remember screaming it's like Ronaldinho it's like Ronaldinho you gotta see this um and those are the moments which you know, we, we all have forever uh, when we think of Delhi. And I think, yeah, that's that's why it's so, it is painful that he's gone because he was that that crown jewel um, for me in that Pochettino team. He, he was the kind of, he was the poster boy, really. Um, yeah. And another thing is that I remember when I was going to visit my, my family in Rome and um, it's my dad's cousin and they have two young young boys. I think at the time, I can't remember their exact ages. I think they were like five and eight. So like I bought them uh, Spurs shirts as a gift and I bought a Harry Kane shirt for the older one. And then I bought Delhi for the younger one. And I remember like explaining it to them. And I was like, Harry Kane is the England captain. He's like the best player. But Delhi Ali is going to be the next big guy. Like he's going to be the, sh- obviously I didn't say <laughs> the shit, but he's going to be the next big player. Um, like, and that was in the summer of 2017. And I think people forget, people need to put them the, themselves back into that mindset of where we were in 2017 and, and think he really was the poster boy. He was the great, the great hope. And yeah, I just, I really hope on a human level, it works out for him. I think he's had a tough time. Um, yeah, but he's definitely a, a, a Spurs hero, I'd say. Yeah, I think he um very much connected with um both the young and older fans on 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 two levels. I think the younger fans really related to him because he was a young man himself. Like I know he used to get a lot of hate, but he was on the socials, he was on, you know, Twitch streams, he was playing Fortnite. And then he was doing the business on the pitch as well. He was he was not making people, he was scoring great goals, he, he was it was getting into getting into fisticuff. It's like it's like the, the typical like, like you know like the player that you want to be when you're playing on a, a Sunday league. He's, he's that kind of player. Like when when you're ten, when you're when you're eleven, when you're you know nine, whatever that kind of age, 
when you're going and becoming a teenager, he's the type of player that you want to be. And so he, a lot of young Spurs fans, a lot of young boys probably became Spurs fans because of Delhi. And mm. so I think that's one thing. And I also think Delhi had a bit of that Glenn Hoddle Gaza about him as well. And that's what connected him to the to the older Spurs fans when he was coming through um when we when we bought him from MK Dons and and, and those initial two seasons. They, you know, there was a there was a bit of Glenn Hoddle, a bit of Gaza about him that that those older fans really came to to appreciate and and really attributed him to. So I think that's part of why he connected with so many fans. And also probably why the it became so sour because for younger fans, you know, they move on quickly. And so when he's not playing, when he's frustrating on the pitch, like it, you know, younger fans have are very fickle and 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 their minds are not really formed yet. So they'll just start chatting rubbish. But for the older fans, it will just be a case of frustration because they've seen this happen before. They they know players like they know the quality of Delhi and, and they know players can bring it back. But if he's not doing it, then it all just becomes very sour very quickly. Football's a very fickle sport. Fans are even more so, um, especially at the top level. So yeah, I'm I'm really sad. Um and that's probably gonna dominate most of the conversations about the outgoings the this this window. But um yeah, I agree with you. I just want him to do to do well. I just hope he doesn't bag against us. Yeah. Um, which won't which won't be the case uh, for Ndombele and and because they'll be out of the country. Uh or Hill. Yeah. So, Eddie, I, I can sense the segue, but I, I want to say one more thing, uh, like right. based on what what you were saying as well. Like the fact that he came from MK Dons, we forget how remarkable that actually is. Because Jed, Jed, as you were saying about like the numbers he was putting up as like a twenty-one-year-old, is uh, unheard of, really. And you think that a lot of these players, a lot of these young players coming through now, Mason Mount, Emil Smith Rowe. Um, even people like Conor Gallagher, they have come from the best youth systems in the country where they've been paid a really handsome amount from when they're basically like 16, 17 onwards. And everything is set out for them to succeed. Deli Ali was playing men's football in League One at the age of 16 and literally through his graft, through his hard work, earned the move to Tottenham Hotspur and then without even really like needing any time to bed in, just started scoring straight away. It's a true underdog story. And I feel like people forget about that because it does feel like he's one of our own. It feels like he's like come through the academy or something, but he didn't like, and when you think of like people saying, oh, he's lazy, he only cares about brand deals or whatever the sheer graft to work yourself from MK Dons to the top of the Premier League as a teenager, as a young 20-year-old is just remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable. And yeah, yeah hope he can turn it around. It sort of goes back to Eddie's point as well, where that in terms of like the support from young kids, it's just like the fact that it's, it's so relatable and it, and, it, and it makes kids think that that's, that's achievable for them too. I mean, don't get me wrong, League One is still a very good level, but if you're watching one of your favourite young players come up from, from League One and instantly hit the ground running in the Premier League, it, it, it must have inspired a, just that generation of kids just to think, yeah, I, I can do this too. And I think that's that's a wonderful thing. And 
yeah, I mean, it's it, as you say, Cosmo, is is incredible the the fact that nowadays most most clubs bring in a player from the championship who's doing really well in the championship, and they might not even need time, two three years to sort of bed themselves in or go out on a couple loans. But the fact that he came in and literally, as you say, did it did it straight away. Beginning of the season, his first game, he came on against Leicester. He scored last minute, and then he just he just didn't stop from there. So yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a it's a pretty incredible story. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, good luck to Delhi. Um, and we go from that to someone who, for me, is just the absolute opposite of what we've talked about in terms of graft and in terms of work rate. Giovanni Lo Celso going out on loan. For me, pound for pound, I genuinely think he's the worst Spurs signing of all time. Um, you could put Ndombele in there as well, but at least Ndombele is actually scored goals for us Lo Celso I don't know what he did I, I had to endure people saying oh well he has to play right mid or he has to play here and well he could be good the guy did nothing absolutely nothing for us um yeah what do you what do you guys make about of the other outgoings? I know we have touched on it briefly, but yeah. I thought you were gonna when you said the opposite. I I genuinely thought you were gonna say Ndombele, which is the yeah, reason yeah. why both those out outgoings are of like always like to me they're of no consequence to our squad because um like like yeah literally and Jedi just agreed like Ndombele was almost exactly the same for me in terms of the lack of effort the lack of uh, the lack of application, the lack of interest—it was so evident. And I think with with Lo Celso, he kind of fooled people because he was a bit naughty, or like he he got stuck in sometimes, or like he 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 liked a bit of a shoving match, or he liked to talk, and so he kind of fooled people into thinking, oh, there is maybe a player there. But I mean, I sent you the video again of him just. Uh, driving the ball off the pitch like it's at his feet and he just runs off the pitch and that and and to me that pretty much sums up like what that what we thought the player he was was and what the player he was is because we thought that he was a good ball carrier he kind of showed that early on in when he was playing for Jose he drove up the pitch he seemed determined but then he just ran off the ran off the pitch or off the cliff we can say because he, he did nothing with that. Absolutely nothing. And yeah, like he said, Cosmo, at least with Ndombele, there were occasions where he would score, he'd create something, he would look like he was actually bringing something to the team. But just the pair of them and both coming in the same window, it's just a nightmare. But, um, but the pair of them have just been really, really poor signings. And we... <laughs> We kind of touched on this when they signed. Very briefly, we were thinking Ndombele literally lit up the Champions League. And the fact that we were the only team that were really in for him should have said something about the, you know, like the the scouting maybe. the Like, the, like cause if a team wanted him, I mean, City initially were linked with him after he battered them. But if we were the only clubs willing to pay that extraordinary fee for him, there must have been something there. And and clearly it was missed at the time. And we've tried, we've tried to to repair that through different managers, through different kinds of 
love, tough love, shoulder, uh, arm around the shoulder, <laughs> exile. We've done it all, like, mm. and it just hasn't seemed to work. And, like, it's frustrating. I never want to see a player at my club who seems to hate playing football. And that's <laughs> yeah. the vibe that I got from him. I, I genuinely did not see the the transfer going wrong and I don't think anyone did I like I vaguely remember us talking about it on the pod we we were like this is the transfer we've been crying out for for yeah. so long like we've actually shown intent we've signed one of the best center mids in the world we've paid the money straight up and I don't think anyone ever saw it going that wrong especially after like you said Eddie absolutely ripped up the Champions League he looked like such a good player um maybe things would have been different if if Poch lasted longer but I don't know I don't know I think I think he was looking back on it if we're looking back at his Spurs career I think he was actually pretty good under Jose um when Jose was playing him especially when he went to that 4-2-3-1 and had him playing as a center attacking mid I think he was actually a pretty reliable player he wasn't playing to his full potential but he was good um one thing I want to say about Lo Celso as well is like, I remember when we signed him and I remember watching his highlights package. I don't know if you guys have ever done this in terms of sometimes you watch a player's highlight package and you're like, oh shit, like, is this guy actually that good? It's just really concerning because everyone looks good on a highlights yeah. package. But I was watching <laughs> yeah, his goals. Janssen. Yeah, yeah, Jansen looked good. Or are you saying he looked bad on the highlight? Oh, no, no. no Jansen no. was the player where I was like, oh, is this guy actually good? Yeah, yeah. But we didn't have to pay that much money for him. So I guess mm. it's a different kind of example. With Lo Celso, I was seeing these like weird goals he was scoring where he almost strikes the ball with the inside of his foot with a completely straight leg. And it's as if the, the keeper's on quaaludes or something. Like the ball just like, <laughs> they just stand still and let this like shot going at five miles per hour just fly into the into the top corner. Not fly, like fucking, I don't know, levitate into the top corner. And I was just like, I've never, ever seen someone shoot like that apart from maybe Alex Iwobi. And that's when a, a, a lo- alarm bells started ringing for me. And I was like, this guy actually that good especially when we're linked with Bruno Fernandes and um I was friends with a United fan at the time and obviously they were linked with him for ages and he was always going on about how good Bruno was and I was like to either sign Lo Celso or or, or Bruno like to end up with Lo Celso was yeah it it weren't it weren't great Jed what what are your what are your thoughts on 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 the matter uh you know what? It's only until recently I've really... I wouldn't say I've backed this also. Um, but, like, I've had I've had a lot of patience with him. I think he... It says a lot that, that he was probably our best player for about six months under Jose. Um, and maybe that's what I was clinging on to, the fact that in some of those games he did show, he did show quite a lot of promise. He did show us that he could carry the ball really well. He was tidy in tight spaces. But after that, it's just like he completely forgot how to play football. Yeah. That, that, that paired with the fact that he, he was never never fit for us. He, he would only ever be fit for Argentina. <laughs> Don't even get me started. Listen, I'm so here for I the... Can't lie. No, I'm tired of listen, these Argentinians. Just signed the South American. I'm so here for the... For... I'm, tired. I'm tired of it. <laughs> Why can't they be like Davinson Sanchez? 
Yeah, it's true, you know. Yeah, he also plays all these games. He doesn't disappear. Bro, do you know what I'm saying? Did we have this problem with Five? Didn't he do it a couple times? Yeah. <laughs> Bro, I don't want no no. I don't want any more Argentinians after we know. <laughs> I can't be having players that never want to play for Spurs when the second <laughs> comes around. Their ACL is blessed. No broken. <laughs> They're calm. They're calm. Using using us for holidays and free gym. No. Fuck that, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Jed's gone full right. full Margaret Thatcher war with Argentina right. over the Falklands. I'm finding that sooner. I'm tired. If if you see someone with a mate flask, you're, you're losing it. You're losing it. <laughs> right. Oh, I feel yeah. Like... oh yeah, it's going to run out anyway. Yeah, so yeah. Thanks, always happens. All right, save, save <laughs> yeah. that thought. Save that thought. I'll send the the link uh, for part two in a sec. Okay, welcome back to part two, and we are gonna round off the outgoings with Brian Hill going out on loan. Um, this is this is a weird one for me because Brian Hill, he's shown potential when he's come on. He like he hasn't like ripped it up or anything, but I still think he he's potentially a useful player to have in the squad. And I think of everything, of all the criticism of Paratici I've seen, this is probably the biggest indictment on him. The fact that we paid 25 million and Eric Lamella for this guy. So that's a big transfer fee and he's been loaned out after six months. That's not a good look for, for Paratici. Um, Jed, where, where are you at with, with Hill going out on loan? Um, I, think, I, I think a loan was necessary. But I, I, th- I don't think there's much point in sending him back to Spain. I think, as, as cliche as it sounds, I really do think he he needed uh, a loan to an English team just so he could get more minutes under his belt in the league that we want him to play, play in. Because he, he does look a bit lightweight. He needs to adjust to the league. Um, I, d- I don't mind him going out on loan because ultimately I don't think he was going to get many minutes with us. I know Conte used him in like this almost inverted wing back role sometimes. Um but like going forward that's it's, it's just not where he's gonna play. And he doesn't like to use out and out wingers, which is that, that that's what Hill is. So um and the thing is I don't, is he really gonna get that many minutes of Valencia as well? I don't know if he's gonna go there and be be a straight starter. So like again I would have rather if, rather him go alone to like Brighton or something maybe Southampton, maybe the interest wasn't there, but like, I don't know. It just seems, seems a bit pointless. Yeah. I was trying to think of a Premier League club that might be interested in him. And I'm, it was difficult to think of somewhere where he might go and be a straight starter. And then that made me think, would we have loaned him to a championship club? Would he have accepted that? And is that a good thing to do? Jed, I know you always say the championship is a very strong league. It's stronger than most people think. Do you th- would you have done that or looked into it? Potentially, it, it, I think. I think the this he might not have been attracted to whatever offers would have been there. I think realistically, if you're looking at it, the only teams he probably could have gone to might have been someone like Fulham or Bournemouth. I think um, Blackburn they're doing really well at the moment, but they've they've just stacked up a lot in the January transfer window as well, so they wouldn't have been needing him. Um, I just don't think there would have been much of a market for him there in the championship, to be honest. Mm. 
I don't know why I can just see him in a QPR shirt. I don't know why. <laughs> well, actually, what I can see him in is a 70s cosplay. So I think that's what he's going <laughs> to rather than play actually any football. Like if they're doing a, a biopic on like Fleetwood Mac or, or the Bee Gees, uh, he's there. He'd be a great extra, wouldn't he? Fantastic exactly. extra. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, well, okay. So we, we've reduced Brian Hill to being a, a movie extra. Um, with that... Specifically the 70s, though. Exactly. no other era he can be in. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe the 80s. I could see him being in, like, Narcos. Like oh, yeah. In that. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Throw a nice, like, brown suede jacket on him. Yeah. He, he, he'd be, like, someone trying to score some weed, like, at the start or of the season. Or some corduroy. Like yeah. Corduroy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So There's, good. I mean, then maybe he, he that, that's his calling. We've spent 25 million on a wannabe actor. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I like it though, man. Like when you see all these footballers getting uh, like surgical fades and stuff, quite like how he's just said, fuck you. And he's just yeah. grown his hair into something <laughs> that hasn't been seen since the 70s. And he's just rocking that corner stuff. It, it looks like a mop. And fair enough. He just yeah. wants to play football. You know yeah. who he would have really suited? <laughs> they have they have a very similar profile already. Burnley. I think he really would have suited Burnley to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he, he plays seems, like a wide similar midfielder. To, kind of similar to McNeil, in a way. Mm. Who is who is an out-and-out winger who wants to get to the byline and put a cross in. Um, but obviously that that option wasn't. And they're getting a bit they're getting a bit tasty with their signings as well. Dash is obviously up the up the had, a, had, a t- had a taste of foreign soil and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what you look <laughs> on our fad he got he got corner and said mm, this is a bit spicy <laughs> i saw i saw a stat that i was so surprised with and we've we've actually asked like like last season we we're like bring him in bring him in but um val Vekos is apart from Lewandowski, scored the most goals in the bundesliga since like 2018 we've mentioned him before on the pod haven't we 59 goals yeah. Like this, he's he's Crazy. a great signing, and they sold Chris Wood for double the price. Yeah, they've so, upgraded. Really, really good business. I kind of wish they got Orsic as well, man, because he's a quality player. Obviously, he's a Spurs nightmare, and definitely would have scored against us. But if they had like a front three, obviously they would want to play McNeil as well. But if they had Orsic, Veghorst, and Corne, like that's such a start. That's not Burnley. That's such a like stylish team. That's not Burnley. <laughs> <laughs> no, I rate it. I rate it. I rate that Dyche has, has found the culture. Um, but yeah, in terms of, of incomings, I saw a lot of people saying, okay, we've sold three creative midfielders and we've signed or looked to sign either Bentanka or, or Amrabat that both people weren't really enamored with but in my opinion maybe I, I i see the positives too much but i feel like it's a sign that i, I feel like conte has said i don't want to bring in some kind of like number 10 type figure i don't want someone in the midfield who's going to take risks with their passing i just want someone i can rely on so i think that's what's led to the signing of ben Tanker. and then i feel like someone like kuleshevsky plays on the wing but is not the stereotypical, like, fast, uh, tricky winger. He's someone who cuts in and creates chances. I feel like Conte is kind of transferring 
the onus of creativity from midfields to that wing position. And then obviously you have the wing backs as well. So I'm not as down on these outgoings and incomings as a lot of people. I think we should assign a right wing back, as we said at, at, at the top of the show. But apart from that, uh, I'm not too against these. I'm quite excited about Kuliszewski in particular. And I think Ben Sankur is a good player. So, yeah, where are you guys at with this? I think it. I think the midfielders, the signings make sense if Conte is committed to a 5-2-3. So if Conte is committed to a 5-2-3, um, then the midfielders make sense. If we play a 5-3-2, basically the, mid, the, 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 the signings make sense in the sense that like the two formations that we're going to play, 5-2-3 and 5-3-2, you need a bunch of midfielders. So if you're going to have a midfielders like Lacelso and, and Dombele who are going to um, not affect your team at all, you may as well get rid of them. Deli Ali as well. And in and in that case, what you want to do is you want to bring in a midfielder who, who you can rely on. And so Ben Tankor can come in for any of Skip, Hoiberg and Winks. I think he's that kind of player. Like he can... He can fill in the 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 Hoiberg role, which is usually a deepest role. He can fill in that box to box role, which is what uh, we've seen Skip become when when Hoiberg, Skip, and Winks all play in midfield. And he does look like someone who is maybe not as forward thinking, but at least um, they you know they they have a pass in mind in the sense of like Winks. So I think Ben Tanko can come in for either one of those three if we're playing a three. Or either one of the two, if we're playing a two, so it makes sense in that sense. Um, and Kulusevski, um, similarly, I think, like you said, um, he's not really a traditional winger, um, and I don't think we really do play with traditional wingers, anyways, when we're playing a three. So I think the player, again, we keep saying this: any time a player comes in, or any time a player's, we want to put a player into the squad. It sounds like Lucas is going to be the one to to get the short end of the stick. And then he keeps on playing his way in back into the team. Um, I think when Son's fit and we play a two, it will mean that Son and Kane start up front. But now that we've kept Bergvijn, I think if we play a three, we at least have the option of Kulisevsky, Bergvijn, Lucas and Son. So we have two in each position. Um, and 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 the, the two positions that are left are striker and right back. And I think if we're led to believe the reports and also what uh, Conte said himself, he sees Bergwijn more as a nine than a winger, then we did need Kulisevsky to come in because um, it meant that we were low on options on, on, on either wing and he didn't seem to fancy Brian Hill as like someone who can play in, in, in the front three. So with that said, so let's say there's a backup for, for Kane up front. It leaves the right wing back position. And that's where I think we've really not done a good job this transfer window. Because I can almost justify all the other positions. Maybe left centre-back, we want to... We, we, we're okay for now. We can. That's something that we can delay until the summer. But I think right wing-back was actually very much needed this window. And we didn't... I know that there were reports that we were, we were looking at melee... Um, earlier in the in the window, and that didn't come to any fruition this window. But like uh, like Jetson in the chat, give him 
give them Rodon, give them 35 million, get Dan Byrne. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think Lampety would have been really great this window and it doesn't seem like we went in for him. Or any, any, um, any right backs. I knew that there were, we were also in for that, uh, the right back, the one who plays the Italian side. Um, I think we were linked to him as well. Yeah. I think there were just a lot of options there that we could have attempted for um, that would lessen the, the load on two right backs, right wing backs who are not creative, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it goes back to Cosmo's point. I think he's right in the sense that it's clear that he's not he's not too bothered about a necessarily advanced midfielder who's just going to be an out and out creator. I think that's that's why we brought in someone like Kudelski to sort of fill that role. Not that he's going to be the main creator, but um, he's he's definitely going to help out in that sense. And I think the sort of player Kudelski is, as you said, Cosmo, he he does like to cut in and create chances. And I think that's really where we've missed the trick in not getting a right wing back because. If that's what Kulazewski is going to be doing, freeing up all that space for a, for a right wing back to overlap him and sort of um, basically take up that whole area in the pitch, we don't have anyone there who's who's sort of comfortable with doing that at the moment. And I think that's our biggest failure of this transfer window now, because they they identified that as as a priority position going into it. So why why we haven't laid out five targets on the table on the first day? the transfer window opening we haven't gone to a club and said we'll offer you this or whatever I, I can't understand why we haven't done that because it's, it's a glaring it's a glaring um, fucking hell. It's, it's, it's such a important position in a, in a Conte system both the wing backs that's where he wants m- most of the creativity to come from because they're the main outlet um, so yeah for me that's, that's the biggest failure of the window do you think um, potentially we're we've got a, like a big right wing back lined up, and we want to do that in the summer rather than bringing in someone who's not going to work out necessarily? It's, it, it, don't get me wrong; it is tough. It's tough in January to do big deals, um, but it seems like we have the money to do it. Whether whether you can get those players off those clubs in January is a different different question altogether. But yeah, I th- I think it seems like we've sort of put the put the steps in place to um go into the summer window now and really focus on those priority positions. We've got another option in midfield, so we kind of don't have to worry about that in summer. If unless we can pick up a free transfer, maybe Kessier's off the off the table, I don't know now. Um so we can sort of go into the summer window now, knowing exactly what we need with a bit more time, hopefully more preparation. And driven to 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 say that we need to go and get these players now because we need a backup striker, we need a right wing back, we do need a backup left centre back for Ben Davis as well. And I think hopefully they've learned lessons from this window, and hopefully we can get stuff wrapped up before the beginning of the season, get them get them in under a full full preseason under Conte, and hopefully we're ready to go for the beginning of the season. I just think um, we might go on to the point about Paratici. I just don't think getting things done early his style of, of uh, business, his style of transfers. And that's really frustrating because the problem that we've had with so many transfers is that we've 
maybe got good players, but we've got them in far too late in the window, which means that they don't get a preseason under their belt. They don't get to grips with the manager's style of play. Then we say, oh, just give them a preseason. We don't know what can happen between that summer and then the following summer. So it makes it very frustrating for for us to actually figure out how how good these players are if they're, if they're coming in at the ninth hour, every transfer window. So I want business to be done as what as Jed said, so that we can bring in the right players. And we if we have you know if we have identified the correct players uh, for the summer, we need to not really mess around, and we need to we need to be we need to have a focused strategy in, in getting them in. Mm. Yeah, Jed's Jed's just had to go. Um, yeah, Jed's had to jump off the the pod quickly. So I think we'll we'll look to wrap up. Um, Brighton next game in the FA Cup feels like feels like we haven't played in ages, uh, and it's looking like we actually have a clean bill of health in terms of the squad and the fitness. Romero's had time to get back up to speed now. Um, Son apparently is is fully fit. So yeah, I mean it's kind of hard to to estimate what's going to happen because it kind of feels like we haven't played in ages again um feels like we've this season's been so stop start but uh yeah well, i feel like i've simultaneously watched a lot of spurs and not a lot of spurs yeah yeah me too how are you feeling like going into that game like can you yeah. see kulashevsky potentially starting and benton probably not starting i don't mm. think Especially not Ben Tanko. He's going to be coming back from international duty. He'll probably have maybe like one or two days with his new teammates. So I very much doubt he's going to maybe even have any uh, game time on the weekend. Kulisovsky is something different. He's in the UK. He'll be training with the players now. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see um, where, like, what Conte goes with. I think it's it's a tough game to get at this point of the, 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 the tournament. Brighton are not a pushover. Whether they, you know, rotate or interested in the competition at all. Same with us. Uh, are we interested in this competition? Um, I'd like to see... I'd, I want to see Spurs play well. I don't care who goes out and who, who, who what team plays. I want us to play well. And we just scraped through the last round, which was abysmal. And yeah. so... We kind of need to put a good performance in, I think. So, you know, players have had time to rest. They've had time off. They've been working with the manager. Players have got back to fitness. I'm interested. I'm I'm, I'm interested. Um, I think it has the potential to kind of heal some of the wounds of, like, getting beaten by City three... Sorry, not City, Chelsea. Three games in a, in a single month. That's tough to take. Um, a, a win would be good for the for the for the whole morale, and maybe signify, you know, a, a, a push for it in the second half of the season. You think we'll go full strength for it? Um, do we have a week until our next fixture after that? No, the next game's on Wednesday. I think we go fairly strong. Um, probably not full strength, but we know how that ends up most of the time. We start with like a a week inside and have to bring on like Son, Lucas, Kane, yeah. you know, with, with, with 20 minutes to go. Um, so hopefully we, we play, I think, I think a, a, a side with mixed strength would be the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. Preferably, I'd like to win a game without Kane on the pitch. That'd be nice. Yeah, potentially Bergvine up front then. Yeah, or Son. We'll oh, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Last chance to win a trophy, mate. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you know what? It would, it'd, it'd actually be, it would be not. I mean, my, my brother's got, uh, got tickets for the Carabao Cup final. And I was thinking, yeah, it could have been us, but no. Mm. So I'd I'd like us to go far in the in the FA Cup. Uh, there's just the awful inevitability of playing Chelsea for a fifth time this season in like the semi final and losing. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and like and Mason Mount or someone scoring. Like, or or, or, or worse still in the final. Imagine how shit you'd feel going into that final, knowing that it was Chelsea. You've already lost to them four times. You just know what's going to happen. The Carabao Cup was a bit like that last season. Like, well, was, yeah, yeah, that was the least yeah. excited I've ever been for a cup final that Spurs have been in. The worst part being that they that that they did not play. They like they scored through a set piece. Yeah, and, and it's just like I I think I think that was a massive case of underdog psychosis that game. Yeah, and yeah, also I think we we'll beat be in... we beat ourselves basically. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and sacking Jose eight days before uh, a final is ludicrous. But we, I guess, we've had that conversation already. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Um, yeah, I do remember most people being quite happy about it though when he did go. Yeah, um, and then when you and then when you lose the cup final, you're like, how could we? Of course, yeah, is twenty. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But um, yeah, I think that's that's about it, and um, we'll wrap it up here. But yeah, oh, thanks just, for... just one. Actually, one message. Um, I think it's kind of. I know it's got kind of out of the blue, um, but with the obviously what's going on with Mason Greenwood. Obviously, with we don't know who who listens to the pod. Um, what we could do to really put this into perspective at all. Um, but if anyone, anyone who's listening, is suffering from any domestic abuse or, or is in a similar situation. Or, or does need some help there is help available and it's always available so on the socials we can probably post up um, some of the phone numbers and any help groups that may be able to help in that situation uh, I just thought that it's good to address um, yeah yeah because we have the platform as good as anyone I agree yeah yeah um, so yeah if you're struggling with that um, f- feel free to reach out I know it can be difficult in these types of situations to reach out um so we will uh post some confidential helplines and websites where you can get help um but yeah thanks for thanks for joining me today eddie and uh thanks to jed he's had to shoot off as well um but yeah um it's been it's it's, it's been i want to say cathartic in a way because I think people really were quite upset about Dele Alli leaving. And it's only through talking about it that you've cut, I kind of realised that, yeah, he was an important figure for the club. Yeah, I mean, all of this, like every every pod feels like a free, three, uh, a free therapy session. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you know... The, the fact I was able because the thing is they they posted the goodbye video at like midnight yesterday. Yeah, I didn't really have time to process it. I just went to bed. <laughs> oh, his one today was so emotional as well. I like always oh, couldn't man. watch Don't it. Don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. 
the one thing that I would say so much worse. Yeah, the one thing I would say is that this now feels like Conte's team. I think. Um, not that I'm gonna like start blaming him if stuff goes wrong or or whatnot, but and not that it's finished. This still needs three or five between three and five signings from Conte to really be his team. But he's gotten rid of people who he didn't want, a lot of people that he didn't want. Yeah. And he's only brought in two, but they're very much two players in his image. So yeah, it's a it's a new beginning really.